It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit hard and deep to left field, backing to the track, to the wall, and it's gone! It's a grand slam! Now, Matt Pauley, Mike Claiborne, and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. And right picks out the sign. The pitch is swung on a miss, throw to second base, strike him out, throw him out, double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. We do come your way from Jupiter, Florida. We continue on with a countdown to opening day. Welcome into this week's program. We only have a few weeks left before uh, it's going to be the actual opening day. Alongside Mike Claiborne, my name is Matt Pauley. And Claibs, uh, we are getting closer and closer. Today was the uh, first off day of camp, just two off days uh, during all of camp for the Cardinals. But so far, so good for this team. So far, so good for sure. And the way they ended the game yesterday, uh, going down to play the Washington Nationals and uh, the big guys stepped up early with Goldschmidt and Arenado with the home runs, but I thought Matt, the pitching was solid, especially when it came to Matthew Libertor, a person that, you know, we don't talk about as far as what his role is going to be in the organization, but he came out and retired the first two innings of worth of batters and uh, really looked sharp. So a lot of little things to build on. I'm someone, kind of my profile when I'm evaluating prospects, if you've got, if you're a top prospect and then you get to the big leagues and it doesn't work out well for you at the beginning, I don't give up on you. There was a reason you were a prospect, and there's only so much that you can learn at the AAA level. You get to the big leagues, you try the adjustments. We've talked a lot about Nolan Gorman in camp. He was another guy who it didn't work out the way he would have liked it last year at the big league level. I think that Libertor, just because he pitched in the big leagues last year, doesn't mean he doesn't have kind of that same prospect status. So I'm still excited to see what he can do. I I agree with you. I, I think when you have a guy who's drafted that high, uh, all the scouts couldn't be wrong. Somebody thought he was a good player. And maybe a change of scenery. Maybe there was a mechanical issue. We don't know. I mean, you think about how young he was when he was drafted. He's still trying to mature. But I thought today he counted for himself well, or, or yesterday for the, that point. And it's something that hopefully he can build on. Klebs, I um they're not perfect defensively by any stretch of the mind, but we've watched, what, the four games now. We've seen the Nationals twice. We saw the Marlins once. We saw the Mets once. I think there is a difference between who the Cardinals are defensively and who these other teams are. And it's not just that they're probably a better defensive team. They are. But you can tell that this team is fairly sharp right now, at least sharper than the other teams in spring. Well, they're fundamentally sharp, but I think we also have to take into account we haven't seen the A-teams or of either the Mets and or the, the Washington Nationals. Uh, the Nationals didn't have as many big leaguers on the field. And you would think because it's a home game, it was a home game for them, that they would have had more of their big leaguers on the field. Uh, when you have a road game down here, there used to be a rule where you had to have X amount of big leaguers with service time on the road trips. They kind of looked the other way, and it's unfortunate because fans who come down here want to see the big leaguers play. Uh, But the Cardinals have shown that whether they're the starters or the guys in the minors, they all seem to maintain the certain fundamentals that keeps them successful. 
we see a lot of these guys who are probably earmarked to AAA. A lot of guys with big league time, a little bit of big league time. A lot of guys who, if they ever do get that opportunity at the big leagues, they're not going to embarrass themselves. And, and there's something about the way the Cardinals put together their 40-man roster plus non-roster invites that they do a really good job of covering themselves almost no matter what. That's a great point you make because they don't bring guys in just to have bodies in camp. They bring guys in who can compete whether it's for the big club or opportunity to play in Memphis where maybe somebody else got him and says, hey, you know what, this is a guy maybe we can use, and maybe they're part of a deal somewhere along the way. So there, there's a method to what they do, and I think it's proven to be a positive one for them. They, um, this team right now, you look at it, the, the young guys, Jordan Walker hit the 430-foot home run the other day. We saw Gordon Graceffo pitch in the most recent game. We saw Mason Wynn recently. We saw Tink Hentz recently. For Cardinals fans who are down here in Jupiter, it's fun to watch Nolan Arenado. It's fun to watch Paul Goldschmidt. It's fun to watch Adam Wainwright. But it's probably just as much fun to watch the future of this team all at the same time. You, you touched on that yesterday, and one of the things that makes that even more viable is these guys are all coming up together which really frees you payroll wise where you don't have to pay them all at the same time you can stagger it but also it frees you up to bring in needed resources if the situation calls for it and that you can afford so they're in a really good position right now Oliver Marmel talked a lot about it how he feels like the Cardinals organization he admitted he's been a Cardinal lifer. His entire baseball career has been sent with the Cardinals, so he doesn't have an intimate knowledge of what's going on elsewhere. But he said the other day that he has a hard time believing that there's any organization in baseball that from a physical standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, top to bottom, there's no organization that gets minor leaguers and young guys ready for the big leagues better than the Cardinals. Well, there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, it, it comes down starting with scouting and what Randy Flores is able to do and what Gary LaRock is able to do when they get to the minors and working them and developing them. But they put guys on the fast track. They draft guys because they think they can play sooner than later. And they've been rewarded with some really good players over the last few years. We've seen a handful of games with the rule changes. It feels like the rule change that is most impacting the game right now is the pitch timer. What's your early uh, feeling on it? I love it. I think it's been great for the game so far. Uh, we've had one game that was un- or a minute under three hours. Everything else is under two hours and 40 minutes. And I think it creates a better pace. The players are more engaged. The veteran pitchers are struggling with it a little bit, but I think everybody else is embracing it. It's good to remember as well, this is spring training for everybody. We saw the game the other day where there was 30 seconds less between innings that there were supposed to be. There were three pitch clock violations that were called, and then we learned later on that they were misapplying the rules. And I think that just goes to show you that we're all kind of learning. When we were doing the game the other day, there were some questions that we had about how rules are being applied. So it just feels like everybody's kind of learning as it goes along. That's what spring training is for, to learn and develop. And I think we're seeing it firsthand. And, and, you know, let's take into account the umpires have to figure some things out, too. You, you touched on something recently that there's a lot for the umpires to ha- try and process uh, more than just balls and strikes and safer out. It's easy to be really excited about the, uh, the pace of play, and I am. The other thing I've noticed that I'm excited about is there's more ground balls finding their way through. And baseball is at its best when we see rallies, when we see uh, a team stringing together hits. And it feels like with the overshift going away, there's more of a chance for that to happen. I'm seeing a lot of balls going up the middle these days. And I'm seeing guys who are a little bit more expert when it comes to bat direction hitting behind runners a little bit more, going the opposite field. We saw Dylan Carlson the other day 
play with a couple of opposite field hits. Those are the little things that makes the game more fun and more attractive. We haven't, and I don't think we're going to, we haven't seen any of the wacky alignments that may happen once the regular season gets started. And Major League Baseball hasn't been completely clear on what they're going to allow and what they're not going to allow. But we haven't seen to, that's going to be something that once the regular season gets started, I'm going to be interested to see what teams maybe try to do. Well, they've, they've told the managers that any funny business will be stopped right there on the spot. So you won't see... Uh, the left fielder coming over in the short right field or anything like that. Now, if you bring five guys on the infield, you have to declare what side that third person's going to be, what side of the infield. He can't play behind second base. So it's been defined. I don't think we'll see it here because these games don't really have that sort of impact. That's something you work on in the backfields more than anything else. So this always annoyed. This has nothing to do with anything. It's just me a chance to moan about something. It always bothered me that in the outfield, if you say you switched right fielders or left fielders or you took a center fielder and put them in left, they were designated 7, 8, 9 based off where they were at. But when they shifted like a third baseman going over to second, he stayed the third baseman. And it always bugged me that they applied the rules and what position you technically were different in the outfield from the infield. And nobody could ever explain to me why they didn't designate differently. Well, and I'm one of them. So that's a big group of people I don't know either. Uh, sometimes I think we overthink this game starting at the top and I think they do it for that reason because they want to make sure there are no loopholes and we always seem to be able to find one. We've got a lot coming up on uh, this show today. You do not want to go anywhere. We've got two hours of uh, Cardinals talk and uh, again a lot coming up. So uh, we will take a break and have more in just a moment. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show here on the Cardinals Radio Network. We are broadcasting from Jupiter, Florida, and Cardinals Spring Training. Just a few weeks left, and then we will indeed get to opening day. That's why we are counting down to opening day here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne is standing by with a special guest. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Do want to remind you though, theme tickets are on sale now and feature returning favorites like Star Wars, Grateful Dead, Friends Night and more. New for 2023, don't miss Harry Potter, Yellowstone and Emo Night. For details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash theme. Alright, uh, let's bring Mike Claiborne back in. He is uh, standing by right 
right now with a special guest. That would be Cardinals pitching coach Dusty Blake. You're new as far as a title is concerned, but you've been around this organization for a bit. Yeah, I had the, the opportunity to, to join the org back in 2021 for that season. And uh, I, I would say, you know, it definitely gave me an opportunity to, to, to have a, op, you know, a chance to hit the ground running uh, once I was allowed to, to jump into this position. Pitching coach, it comes with a lot of different responsibilities. Uh, you're trying to manage a staff. You're trying to look at the future. You're trying to see if there's a mechanical flaw. You want to mentally make sure you're on the same page with people. As you ease into this position, what are some of the things you want to try and implement that you've been able to learn elsewhere? Yeah, I think to start with, a huge goal for me is for us to understand who we are, understand ourselves inside and out. Everybody does have something different that gives them an opportunity to be successful. And if we can cross that barrier, uh, then we can learn what are the things we're really good at and then how do we figure out how to be great in that environment. So let's let's be great at what we're good at once we are able to work through all the resources and really all the lanes that pitchers have now uh, in order to be successful. You know, years ago, um, before we had some of the more advanced technology, I, I feel like those lanes were a little bit smaller. Either you threw harder or you threw pitches to better locations. And those are still incredibly valuable. But now we've, we've found other ways to help pitchers accommodate you know, how they recover, what type of conditioning and plan can we work for them in order to feel better when they get on the mound, what helps their pitches tick up more, which range uh, do we want to get to the most depending on how a pitch would move to home plate or the shape it takes. So we can really isolate some more areas to help them have a better advantage. You mentioned resources. I don't know if I've ever seen it in all the years I've been around the game. There's so many resources with respect to information. How do you try and disseminate the the analytics and be able to physically apply the things you see as well? Because that's a pretty uneven apple cart to to balance from time to time. Yeah, it it can be. Uh, I, I think, you know, I see my role as the pitching coach uh, in part to help filter a lot of this information so that you know there are volumes and volumes of data that we're getting um, and so that our players don't get too bogged down with that Um, I see myself and our staff as as a resource to help them filter that and and really reduce it down or distill it down to the, the most actionable areas as we look at all the inputs that this game has now I think one thing that's important is we we still have – there's going to be two types of failure with this information. You're going to have the failures of ignorance, meaning we just didn't know any better and and the science and the information isn't consistent enough. And then you're going to have the failures of ineptitude where we had the information and we just didn't organize it well enough or quick enough in order to take action with it. And and my goal with all these inputs is to make sure we can avoid that second failure, to make sure – as we're getting this info in, we're organizing it, we're looking at it, and we're making sure if there are actionable areas that we're taking advantage of it. Dusty Blake picked a great time to become a pitching coach in the big leagues because you came in at the time where they implemented some new rules. How have you been able to try and, A, process that and how to apply to your staff, and, and B, how do you try and teach it differently? Because I, this is a, it's not your normal camp because you got to pitch count. you got to have guys who have moves the first, and what's the strategy behind all those things? So how have you tried to embrace that? 
I think being armed with the information and how guys receive that and making sure, one, like we're on the same page with the rule changes and how they're going to impact the game. We've talked with our minor league staff and some of our minor league pitchers that were more successful as a result of some of these implementations and new rules. And, you know, getting on the same page with some of the things they saw and some of the challenges they faced, we've also had several pitchers that have pitched here and in Memphis that were able to work with that clock last year. And, you know, candidly, I think most pitchers are going to perform at a better level when they have better tempo. And I think for a lot of guys, what we've seen and what we're hearing and what we're finding out is if we're able to keep them with a quicker tempo as far as between pitches and on their way to home plate, like it, it's actually helped pitchers probably a little bit more than it's helping hitters right now. And, I, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm anxious to see how this works with veteran pitchers. I think the young pitchers who've come through the minors, they've already gone through it a little bit. But when you have guys on this staff, and I'll, I'll use G. Giovanni Gallegos, who was was the slowest worker in the league, that that's a quite an adjustment for a guy to cut his delivery time in half. I think it can be. Uh, I, I also think that when you're intentional with your plan and your preparation, that anything can become adaptable. You know, these guys are great athletes. They've got experience. They, especially a guy like Gio, who understands the game, has been in big situations, and so we're not trying to help him overcome several areas to improve performance uh, he's going to isolate this one area and he's going to continue to train in a way that gives him that opportunity and because he is such a professional and so advanced in his preparation I feel like we're going to see him adapt as well as anybody you coach pitching you've taught pitching at different levels now you you manage pitching at a major league level as you watch people ascend in this game what's the common mistake or the common flaw that you see that really if that person was able to make that subtle adjustment they'd find themselves being more effective and and maybe it's not all about velocity maybe it's about some other things yeah I I honestly don't think it's a pitch data thing nearly as much or velocity or analytics as it is ownership Um, I think the best guys you see at this level that not only perform well for one or two years but have had longer careers they have complete ownership in their performances you know there's always a better call that could have been made there's always you know maybe a ball that that fell in that just weak hit and bad luck but they also understand that's human error you know or uh, luck or you know as far as you know the umpire would be the human error piece the luck would be a soft hit ball that, that falls in or rolls through the infield um so so those guys don't leave it up to anybody else to dictate their success or their failure they take complete ownership in it if they feel like there's an area of their game that they can improve they stay constantly uh on that edge of making sure that they're preparing in a way that gives them every opportunity and when things don't go their way they they don't look for you know uh, an out or somewhere to to make an excuse like they own it and they continue to grow because of that and i think that's something as you talk with younger players if they can have that ownership in their success, in their performance, it would go a lot further in their day-to-day improvement and growth and understanding the game because all those things are so important. And when you're taking ownership there, you're, you're going to look in every possible area to find every edge you can. You paid your dues to get to this level and at various levels in your career. When you were offered the position of pitching coach for the St. Louis Cardinals, who was the first person you thought about? As far as like oh, where you got to this point in your career? Man, I think one person would – I mean, I thought about my family, honestly. You know, like they – 
they have been there and supportive and when you're the 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 family of a coach a lot of times that's not convenient it's not ideal uh there aren't you know there there are compromises i should say in timing schedule uh and and so I, i thought about you know them and is this going to be a better opportunity for them for us uh their support um, and, and just you know that that whole process of making everything work, you, you can't overlook that. So there have been great mentors for me along the way, but I think the first place I went was my family. You know, a good pitching coach is a guy we don't see come out of the dugout very often. So hopefully, this is the last time we see you for a while. Congratulations, best of luck on this year. And as I mentioned, uh, the less we see of Dusty Blake, the better off the ball club is. Amen to that. Clabes Dusty, thanks so much as you are listening to the Countdown to Opening Day show here on the Cardinals Radio Network. We'll take a break, and when we return, uh, Clabes got a chance to uh, catch up with uh, Tommy Edmond prior to him uh, leaving to go overseas to be a part of the World Baseball Classic. That conversation uh, with uh, Tommy Edmond comes up in just a moment. As we continue on after this, it is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. From Jupiter, Florida and Cardinals Spring Training, the Countdown to Opening Day show rolls on here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Have you heard about the new songwriter who has the ear of some folks in the country music industry? It's none other than Adam Wainwright. You can read all about Uncle Charlie's new way to deliver a hook... See what we did there? In the new Cardinals magazine by subscribing at 314-345-9000, 314-345-9000, or cardinals.com slash magazine. We've hit the point in spring training where players are starting to leave camp if they are participating in the World Baseball Classic. Depending on where your respective team is training, that is uh, what causes you to leave on, on one date or the other. So for players who are uh, going pretty far away, they have already left. So uh, that definitely would uh, include Tommy Edmond as he is part of uh, the uh, Team Korea roster. Prior to him leaving Jupiter, Mike Claiborne got the chance to uh, sit down with Edmond. And uh, the first thing that they talked about was just how uh, it went during the offseason for Edmond. Good. I had a great offseason back in California as usual. Uh, Spent some good time uh, resting and recuperating, getting some beach time and um, relaxing. And and, uh, we got back out here in Florida a couple weeks ago and and just been getting ready to go you know recovery is important and for a guy like yourself who who played a lot of baseball this year how often do you have a chance to just sit back and do nothing before you ratchet up again yeah um i think usually after a season's over i'll take i'll take about a week off where i just really don't do anything and then after that it kind of becomes more active recovery where uh, maybe I'm doing some sort of stretching or doing some yoga or Pilates or something like that. Um, and then after a couple of weeks of that is when I start my, uh, my weightlifting program. So there's really not too much just completely downtime. Um, cause I, and for me too, I get bored really easily. Um, so I, <laughs> you didn't take up a hobby or anything this off season. Uh, no, I, I would say I don't have any, I don't have any hobbies that I, I do weekly. Um, I guess my main hobby would be like reading, um, and I played a little bit of golf this off season as well. A lot of time just like laying on the beach too, which is, which is a nice way to spend the off season. So you didn't pick up a cooking class or anything like that to help out at home? 
No, no. I have a, I'm really good at washing dishes, though, and putting them away. But my wife takes care of a lot of the cooking, and she's a, she's a great cook, and I had a lot of good meals this offseason. Well, I'm glad you know your swim lane. That's an important thing. What did you take away from last year as you went into the offseason that you wanted to be better at for this year? Yeah, I mean, in baseball, you're always trying to improve in, in certain aspects. And I think going into this year, it's looking like they were all play uh, mostly shortstop, just continuing to be consistent over there and um, just making sure I'm uh, keeping my arm arm, uh, arm in shape and being able to make all those throws from the backhand side. And um, hitting standpoint, you can always uh, – there's always tweaks that I'm making. Um, and I think just last year I, I felt like – I was relatively consistent. I had a couple of stretches where um, I really fell off um, for, I don't know, maybe a few weeks or a few weeks to a month. So I think the big thing for me is is figuring out what cues I need to go back to uh, when I start to struggle so that I can get out of those um, those downtimes a little bit quicker. And this year, this, year uh, this offseason, I think I identified several of those. So hopefully it will carry over into the year. You know, I was talking to Ozzie Smith about that very thing. What? How do you deal with fatigue and maybe a sore arm and things of that nature? And he made a point. He said, I became more aggressive. I charged the ball more. I was trying to force things to happen for my body and my brain in order to be effective. And everybody does it differently. Uh, when do you know when your arm is dragging a little bit or when your arm is tired? And what do you try and do to remedy that? Yeah, I, I mean, I I try to just stay up to uh, up to date with my arm care. I do arm care and and uh, take care of everything after pretty much every game. Um, so as long as I stay on top of that, where it's more preventative than than uh, reactionary, um, I think that's the big thing for me. Um, and I know I feel like at this point I know my body pretty well, so I know the things that'll pop up over the course of the season. So uh, I've gotten good at recognizing those things early and knowing what I need to do to make sure it doesn't become anything bigger. Tommy Edmond is with us as we talk a little Cardinal baseball. All right, your offseason might have been slow, but it's about to pick up here pretty soon with regard to the World Baseball Classic. Tell our listeners about your travel plans. Yeah, it's going to be a, definitely a wild ride this spring. Um, I'm very excited for it, though. Um, we take off for the Classic in about a week and a half. Um, we'll be going here from here in Palm Beach out to Seoul, Korea. Um, I think we'll have a few days of practice there before we head to Osaka, Japan, um, another couple days before we go down to Tokyo, which is where the, the first round of the World Baseball Classic is. Um, and it'll be a, definitely a lot of travel. Um, but How many hours? I think so. I was, I was speaking to some Korean media who, who were here a few days ago, and I think they had a 20 hour travel day from Palm Beach back to Korea. Um, so I got to make sure I, I look ahead um, and try to get on that sleep schedule as quickly as I can, whether that's sleeping on the plane or trying to stay up as long as I can. Um, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure I'll have some good tricks and techniques to be able to get adjusted uh, quickly. And you think that West Coast swing late at night r- arriving in St. Louis at 3 or 4 in the morning is tough. This is going to be a real challenge. And you mentioned the fact you're going to try and do a few things to prepare yourself for it. I think the bigger challenge would be making your way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll probably do the same, do my best to do the same sort of thing where I'm, as soon as I know I'm done in Japan, just try to get on West Coast time or the United States time as quickly as I can. Um, and 
I'm sure there'll be certain supplements that I'll be able to take to kind of improve that process. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, it's, it's a, a huge difference in the, in the time zones. So it'll be a, a big change and it'll make that London trip this year seem really easy. <laughs> give me some advice. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully I'll, I'll pick up a few things. How about the fact you're playing for the Korean national team? I mean, that, that has been a team that's always been homegrown Koreans and now you're being part of that. What's that mean to you and your family? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very exciting and definitely a huge honor to get to be a part of that Korean national team. Um, Do you speak I, Korean at all? Uh, I'm working on it, working on it, improving. Um, but I think I, I, by the point I, by the time I get there, I want to just be very familiar with all the baseball terms, and I don't think I'll ever be able to speak fluently by any means. Um, it's a it's a difficult language to pick up, um, but I just want to be able to communicate somewhat with uh, with my teammates and um, I think I'll, I'll have a good translator there who will help help me out a little bit um, but yeah it's been cool to see the success that uh, Korea has had in the past in the World Baseball Classic and um, to join a great team like that is very exciting. I have to think that one of the great things about this WBC for players like yourself playing in another country that there's things you're going to be able to learn as far as the game and how it's played that you may be able to carry and I'm sure you'll be able to pass on some things that'll help the Korean national players become better. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it definitely seems like a a different kind of game um, in the Korean League versus the United States and I'm sure there will be a lot of different uh, things that I'll I'll see around the clubhouse whether that's in practice or preparation or even game strategy that um, that might be different and um, maybe I'll bring a little bit of that that MLB flavor to the the Korean team as well. but we'll see. I'm very, I'm very intrigued and excited to see what, what it's like. Final question, getting back to the MLB. Does Tommy Edmond have numbers in his head on where he'd like to be with regard to at-bats, average, things of that nature, especially the stolen base factor? Because that's going to be fun to watch you bait pitchers into throwing over, and all of a sudden he's throwing it two times, and now all of a sudden it's off to the races. Yeah, no, I, I don't have any specific numbers in mind, um, but I'm always looking to improve. So just improving on my numbers from last year, and I know there's always always areas to get better at. Um, but I, I don't like to think about whole year numbers. I think just taking it day by day. Um, and if I do that, take care of the process, and then um, I know that the numbers will, uh, will hopefully look better by the end of the year. Well, the end of the year means early November as far as I'm concerned. So let's have some fun with this season. Best of health, sir, and thank you for your time. Thank you, Clay. appreciate it. That was Mike Claiborne's visit with Cardinals shortstop Tommy Edmond, who has uh, arrived for uh, Team Korea's training camp. There were some cool uh, social media videos of him coming off his flight, which uh, I believe was 15 and a half hours. He was on a 15 and a half hour flight. That also means he's going to have to return on a 15 and a half hour flight, which uh, does not sound fun. But obviously, uh, the reason they're doing it uh, makes a lot of sense. And it's really cool for so many different Cardinals players to be able to participate in the World Baseball Classic. All right, uh, when we come back, what we're going to do is uh, talk about a really cool event uh, that is uh, returning for uh, this upcoming season. If uh, you've got a dog, if you are a dog lover, this is something that certainly will interest you. That's on the way next as we continue on with Countdown to Opening Day here on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. 
Countdown to opening day rolling on here on the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Cardinals broadcaster Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being with us as uh, we are getting closer and closer. You have uh, heard some spring training games already here across the uh, radio network. We'll have a uh, full slate of games before all is uh, said and done in Grapefruit League play. And then before you know it, we'll all be back in St. Louis ready for the regular season to uh, get underway. Up until that point, though, this is something that's pretty cool. Cardinals Nation Restaurant hosting Family Night with Fred Bird Wednesdays from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock until the home opener. Kids can eat free, meet Fred Bird, play games and win prizes, reservations, full schedule, and more info at cardinalsnation.com. Speaking of uh, fun stuff where the whole family can get involved, uh, once again this year, uh, the Cardinals are going to uh, have their uh, annual Perina Pooches in the ballpark game. And to talk more about that, we're very happy to uh, welcome on. He uh, is a community affairs specialist with Purina. His name is Dan Kohler, and he joins us right now on the program. Hey, Dan, thanks for taking uh, some time with us today. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, We're really looking forward to something that's going to be uh, happening this year. Specifically, it's going to be uh, Saturday, May uh, 6th. It's the uh, 18th annual Purina Pooches in the ballpark game for the Cardinals. They're going to match up against the Tigers uh, that day. Uh, Talk a little bit about uh, this event and what's going to be going on. Yeah, as you said, this is the 18th year. It's kind of hard to believe, but this has become one of the great Cardinal baseball traditions. Pooches in the ballpark presented by Purina. It is the one game all season where fans can purchase a specialty ticket that allows them to bring their dog inside Bush Stadium and actually watch the game together. We've got some marquee, all-inclusive seats set up in the center field seating sections. Each ticket is good for one person and one dog. We've got tons of canine-friendly activities happening throughout the day. Before the game, pregame over at Ballpark Village, we're bringing out the Purina Incredible Dog Team to do some very entertaining and acrobatic demonstrations for fans. Then once folks make their way inside the stadium, we're bringing back a fan favorite, the Costume Contest Parade around the warning track. So make sure you get into Bush Stadium early and check out some of the hilarious and cute costumes the pups will be wearing. But you also want to get there early. First 25,000 fans through the gate get our commemorative Ryan Helsley bobblehead. This year it's featured Ryan and his pups. So we're excited for that giveaway. Then once folks that have our special tickets make their way up to their seating sections, we've got a phenomenal goodie bag courtesy of Purina and Schnooks that's filled with samples coupons, swag, and the always coveted commemorative t-shirt as well, letting folks know that you and your pooch caught the Pooches in the Ballpark game here in 2023. Again, this is 18 years, and we have folks that come out to this event every single year. I tell people all the time, if there are two things St. Louis residents are passionate about, it's their baseball team. And it's their pets. <laughs> this event is a perfect marriage 
of both of those passions. And it really reinforces what we believe at Purina, that when people and pets bond, life becomes richer. We're all about putting on these great events for pet owners and their pets to come out and share some memories. And we're Cardinals fans, too. We've been a longtime sponsor. So we want to have our four-legged friends in the stadium rooting on the Cardinals to victory as they host the Detroit Tigers. All right, so I want to follow up on a couple things here. First off, uh, you do need a special ticket for this. I think that's a really important thing uh, for folks who want to bring their dogs. Uh, This is part of a specialty ticket plan. That is correct. Tickets are on sale now. Cardinals.com backslash pooches uh, the outside of that uh, specialty ticket the only other requirements uh, that we have is pets need to be at least six months of age they need to be up to date on their vaccination so if you buy your ticket and you realize your pet is, is out of date on some of their vaccines you still got a little bit of time before the game to get those done so check in with your vet and lastly we want to make sure that these pets are good and uh, well socialized in crowds because they're going to be taken in the baseball game along with you know 40,000 plus other Cardinals fans and typically we have around 200 to 250 other dogs um, the thing that is nice about these all-inclusive sections though is they're not like traditional stadium seating so you do have a little bit more flexibility a little bit more space to be able to position your dog where they're comfortable so that way you both can take in all the action there is access to an all-you-can-eat but buffet with complimentary beer soda and water is the beer for the dog owners or the dogs themselves <laughs> the dog owners we make sure we stock that goodie bag full of enough goodies for for the four-legged uh, attendees but yeah that all-inclusive ticket that is for the owner but again you're not going to go home your pup's not going to go home you know empty-handed, empty-pawed, as it were, thanks to Purina and our friends over at Schnooks making sure we're, we're hooking up our dogs that come out to the event. All the details on this event, cardinals.com slash pooches. That's also where you purchase tickets. You spell pooches, by the way, way, P-O-O-C-H-E-S, in case you did not know how to spell pooches. But cardinals.com slash pooches is uh, where to go. Uh, Dan Kohler, Community Affairs Specialist with Perina, joining us. Uh, Thank you so much for the time. Really looking forward to this event on uh, on May 6th. It's going to be so much fun. And uh, thank you for uh, everything you guys do with the Cardinals. Yeah, you bet. Have some fun down in Florida. We're looking forward to this season. That's Dan Kohler, Senior Community Affairs Specialist with Purina. Just an absolutely fantastic partner of St. Louis Cardinals baseball, and I always love the event. Saturday, May 6th, it is the 18th annual Purina Pooches in the Ballpark game. You can get all the details at cardinals.com slash pooches. All right, we'll take a break, come back, wrap up our number one of the program. We are in Jupiter, Florida. It is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues here on the Cardinals Radio Network. We are in Jupiter, Florida, as Cardinals spring training continues on. Did you know? Cardinals Authentics is the only place that you can get game-used and autograph memorabilia directly from the St. Louis Cardinals. Visit CardinalsAuthentics.com or visit the store on the first floor of Cardinals Nation inside of Ballpark Village. Do you want to give you an update on uh, where you're going to be able to hear Cardinals games over the next week or so? Following the Wednesday off day on Thursday, they will match up against the Astros. That game will be streamed at Cardinals.com as will Friday's game against the Marlins. Then this 
this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. They'll match up against the Nationals and against the Mets, respectively. Each of those games will be heard across the Cardinals radio network. And then next Monday, back at it at Cardinals.com as they are going to take on the Houston Astros. Coming up in hour number two of the show, hopefully you uh, stick with us. We've got a lot coming up. A conversation with ESPN's Buster Olney. He was in Jupiter covering the Cardinals. They had a game on uh, ESPN this past week. Got the chance to uh, sit down with Buster and get his thoughts on the Cardinals. So that's going to be coming up in uh, just a little bit. Also, we are going to uh, have our snapshot segment next hour, and we are going to relive what was one of the coolest nights at Bush Stadium this past year. You are not going to want to miss this week's snapshot. So that's all coming up. As always, if you want to get in contact with me directly, you can do so on Twitter at Matt Pauly on air, M A T T P A U L E Y on air. You can find Claves on Twitter at Claves Online. We've got more coming up. Hour number two on the way next. It is the countdown to opening day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. KMOX KEZK HD2 St. Louis. The voice of the Billikens, KMOX. Always live on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. One hour down, one more to go. It is Countdown to Opening Day here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, my name is Matt Pauley. We are continuing to come your way from Jupiter, Florida and Cardinals Spring Training. Are you looking for a truly unique event space? Cardinals Special Events can help to create memorable corporate and personal events in both Bush Stadium and Cardinals Nation Restaurant. For more information on options for an experience your guest won't stop talking about, visit cardinals.com slash events. ESPN had the Cardinals and Mets as a national TV broadcast this past week. That means ESPN's Buster Olney was in town to uh, see the Cardinals. I got the chance to uh, sit down and talk with him. The first thing I asked him, just what his uh, general impressions were of the 2023 Cardinals. That they're deep and they're loaded and they're clearly the class of the National League Central. You know, the one of the um, projection services, Pakoda, actually has the Brewers with more wins than the Cardinals. I don't know how like that you could come up with that uh, because when you look at the depth of what the Cardinals have with their position players, you know, the hope that Jack Flaherty's back, um, you know, they, they look so strong. They got Wilson Contreras in the offseason. That was their biggest move. Did you expect them to do more? I didn't expect him to sign Wilson Contreras, you know, um, given all the, the conversation in baseball about Contreras and why teams didn't want him at the deadline, that he, you know, he had some holes defensively and knowing what the Cardinals have had in the past with Yadier Molina. So it's very interesting to hear that the Cardinals were won over by Wilson and Wilson's devotion to the position and their hope that he's going to get better. Um, I mean, once you get him, that addresses the big need. And let's face it, the reality is in the National League Central, there's not a lot of pressure on any of the five teams to go big because uh, there wasn't a lot of action. 
that's the interesting thing about this team because if you're in the east or west if you're out of it in the first month you might have too big of a hole to climb out of if you're the cardinals you should win the nl central so then it seems like you can almost assess what needs you still might have as the season goes along right which i would imagine means that uh, as we've seen in recent years they'll be in a position to make trades before the deadline and to fill holes and i can, i think we'll all be waiting to see how jack flaherty does you know he for me is the biggest question about mark about the roster you know how is he physically can he get back to being what he was before he got hurt how nice is it for you just being back a normal spring last year was cba stuff the years before obviously uh covid this is our first normal spring training in a good number of years yeah i mean just for example just before i talk to you i'm in the in the clubhouse and i get to you know chat just baseball with paul goldschmidt for for 20 minutes and we're talking about different players and different situations i mean that's something you couldn't do during covid uh you might give a wave to a player from afar uh, socially distant, but now you actually get to have conversations. It's a blast. And I've got that, you know, Carlos Correa and Max Scherzer, and today was Goldie, and it's it's fun. Paul might not be the soundbite guy, but when you sit there and have a long conversation with him, he's pretty thoughtful and he's got a lot to say. What did you take away from your conversation with him? Well, you know, it's interesting because he, people in my business always talk about him, well, he's kind of boring. And I'm like, he's not boring. I'm like, he loves baseball. Like, he sincerely loves the game and loves talking about it. He just doesn't like to talk about himself. He actually reminds me of Mike Trout. I hear the same things. People say Trout's boring. I'm like, he's not boring. Like, he loves baseball. Uh, and that's why, you know, with Goldie, uh, sometimes it's about other players. Sometimes it's about trends of games. He and I just had a conversation about all the rules changes and who's going to be affected, who will be affected less. It's fun. What's your thoughts on Oliver Marmel? He's going into a second season. It's it's hard to find anybody say much bad about him. No, and I, you know you get uh, in my job working the sidelines on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, being next to dugouts. The thing that jumped out at me with him is you know we would do our pregame meetings with him, and he's so engaging and friendly and jovial. And man, when that first pitch goes, I mean to see how intense and competitive he is. It's like you know he turns into the Incredible Hulk during games and you can see everything moving i think he's a terrific manager you can understand why the cardinals picked him you can understand why the players respond to him it feels like he really enjoys the process of it he was talking the other day about you know winning a world series isn't about talking about winning a world series it's talking about doing the things that you need to do to win a world series and i i've always appreciated the way he says those kind of things a hundred percent uh and you can uh, you know, see that during the course of games. When you talk about being into every pitch, pitch to pitch, and being on top of it and hearing the byplay between he and the players and the umpires, and I mean, it really is uh, makes you understand how he got to this point in his life. I've always really appreciated your job because you've still got a kind of the old school baseball writer stuff, and then you've also got ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. It really feels like you get to do a lot of cool things. How much do you enjoy your position? I, I mean, I love it. Uh, you know, I wrote for newspapers for 15 years and then went to ESPN in 2003 in part because, uh, A, you could see where the industry was going, but also I just love the challenge of, of doing something different. And when I went to ESPN, it was radio uh, you know, television and learning how to to be more effective in that medium. You know, writing for me is second nature. Uh, where being on television, I still work to get my heart rate down in some moments. But I mean, every day you get to do a range of different type stuff. It's never Groundhog Day. Last thing for you. 
big picture perspective, we've seen some arbitration issues over the last week. Corbin Burns, obviously, with the Brewers, had a lot to say. Even Ryan Helsley with the Cardinals wasn't real happy. Next time the CBA comes around, is this something that the players need to address, just this whole arbitration system? I, I Look, I think that there would be motivation for the teams, too. Yeah. When you look at the amount of money that the you know they, they had disparity over, um, you know and I know this. It's not really about the player in that in that decision. It's about the precedence that's set by the decision. And so the lawyers and the analytic people on both sides uh, are going to argue as vociferously as possible. But it's not necessarily the best thing for the player. It's not necessarily the best thing for the team uh, going forward. And, you know, Corbin's response to that whole process was gave us another window into how divisive this could be. I do wish they could find a different way to do it. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. ESPN's Buster Olney joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. When we return, we've got our weekly snapshot segment. This is a fun one. This is kind of an extended one. We're going to go pretty deep. We are going to go back to last September when the Cardinals and the Brewers played and a little bit of history was made as Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina set the Major League record for most starts together as a battery. We're going to relive that evening together with our weekly snapshot segment. That's on the way next. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. You are locked in to Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. It is that time for our weekly snapshot. We look back at a cool moment, a cool game, something notable that happened during the 2022 season, as we say all the time. 2022 was certainly filled with some big moments, so we've had fun looking back. And this one is really special. We are going to go back to the night of September 14th as the Cardinals match up against the Milwaukee Brewers. And this is the night where Major League Baseball history is made as Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina set a record for most starts as a battery. So let's relive this night together. There was a certain buzz in the air at Bush Stadium on this evening as Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina come out of the bullpen and Wainwright takes the mound. The first batter that he faces off against is Christian Yelich. We're all set for the historic moment right here with the fans standing at Bush Stadium. Pitch one is taken for a strike. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina have the record of 325 starts as a regular season major league battery passing Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehand from 1963 through 1975 with the Detroit Tigers. Yelich takes that uh, first pitch from Adam Wainwright, and that was something that we'll hear from Wainwright later on in this segment, but he was very appreciative of the fact that Yelich did not swing in that situation, just took that pitch, a really classy move by the Brewers outfielder, and then eventually Wainwright would get the best of Yelich. 0-2 in the pitch. Strike three called right there at the belt. Yelich gets the ring up, and that's the way our game begins at Bush Stadium. I love the sportsmanship of uh, Christian Yelich. Wainwright would give up hits to Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez. So that put runners on at the corners with just one out, facing off against Hunter Renfro. Now on three and two. A swing and a miss. Wainwright struck him out with a curveball down in the zone. 
Renfro is out number two. A walk to Colton Wong loads the bases for the Brewers in the top of the first inning, and it brings up Andrew McCutcheon. Right-handed batter with the bases full. Two outs. The pitch. McCutcheon, a half swing and a bouncer to Wainwright. A one-hopper, Adam underhands, out at first base with Goldschmidt catching the throw and stepping on the bag. So on the history-making night, Wainwright would work out of a bases-loaded situation there in the first inning without giving up a run. He would give up a run, however, in the second inning. Tyrone Taylor hitting a sacrifice fly that uh, scores Jace Peterson after Peterson led the inning off with a base hit and moved to third on an Omar Nervaya single, so the Brewers had a 1-0 lead. That lead does not last long. Bottom of the second inning, first hitter of the inning is Nolan Arenado. There's a swing and a drive. Hit deep left center field by Arenado. Tag game. Home run, Arenado on the first pitch by Burns in the second. One to one. Brendan Donovan and Alec Burleson would add base hits, so that puts runners on at the corners for, of course, Yadier Molina. The pitch to the right-handed batter. A swing and a base hit left field. That scores Donovan. Two to one Cardinals in the second. Burleson stops at second, and Molina breaks an 0 for 8, driving in his 20th run of the year. Seems fitting on the night that the battery record is set. Molina would also come through at the plate. He gets that base hit, and that gives the Cardinals the lead, a lead they would hold on to for good. They add to that lead in the fifth inning, thanks to Lars Newtbar. The 2-0 pitch. A swing, and there's a well-hit ball. Deep right center field. It's going to go. It's a gunner. A gunner. A home run for Lars Newtbar leading off the fifth. Three to one, Cardinals. And then, of course, when we look back on the year that was for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, we also talk about Albert Pujols. This game would not have been fully complete without Pujols contributing. He does that in the eighth inning. Three and two, O'Neill will be running at first base. He takes his lead. There he goes. The pitch is swung on, and there's a drive to left center field. That ball gets down. O'Neill is going to score. The ball's picked up by Taylor. It's an RBI double for Albert Pujols. 4-1 Cardinals in the eighth inning. Ryan Helsley closes out the game in the ninth inning, gets a strikeout of Hunter Renfro for the final out, and the game wraps up with the Cardinals getting the 4-1 victory. Adam Wainwright, he does pick up the win on this record-setting night. He went five innings, allowing one run on eight hits, three strikeouts, two walks. But obviously the big story was the fact that Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina started together for a 325th time, the most by a battery in Major League history as they moved by the Detroit Tigers pair of Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehan, who did it from 1963 to 1975. As you might expect, there was a lot of talk after the game about what happened. Let's listen in to uh, some of the comments that were made, starting with Adam Wainwright and how he was feeling as he navigated through the game. It was a lot to manage, honestly, early on, especially, you know, just the crowd was so awesome and, um, you know, making me just get constant chills and tearing up and, um, you know, just trying to manage my adrenaline because it wanted to just go through the roof and uh, changing jerseys every inning, you know, for whatever, for the for the hologram on there and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was just a lot, you know, but um, we needed that game, but we won the game, so that was important. I left a small village out there, a big village out there on the base pass today. Did you, uh, did you take some moments to make sure to kind of drink it in to kind of go with, like, okay, made yeah. it this far? Yeah, I did. I did. I mean, you know, 
usually when I get to the dugout after warming up, I'm very laser focused on my approach to the first batter and just trying to get into the right, right uh, mental space there. But they were playing that cool video on the board, and I thought, you know, they're probably not going to play any more cool videos while I'm pitching that I can really take in. And so might as well enjoy it for a minute or two. I make sure I did that. When you took the field, you looked both ways. What was the thing that you did when you took the field? Way never for everybody to go by you and then kind of stop and look both ways. Well, you've never paid attention, Derek. I do that every game. I know you do. I'm asking <laughs> about uh, just what is it that you're doing there? Uh, just I want them to leave me out there. You know, just um, you know, my idea when I take the ball is I'm going to be the last one on there and the last one to leave. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Is there a specific play or, or moment even that really stands out to you tonight? The one that you will always think back, and this is what's going to pop into your mind. Uh, well, I mean, one—I'll tell you one moment that was really special was when Yelich took the first pitch. I mean, I thought that was just a really classy move, and you could tell he was just gonna um, kind of give that to us, you know. And I uh, thought. Did, it did cross my mind that, you know, he's a great hitter, got a lot of power. You know, he hits the first ball into the stands. It's like, do I want that ball back? I don't know. You know, it's a, first, it's a pretty cool ball, but it's also not very cool. So I appreciated him doing that. That was a... That was the, the, the moment of the game that I'll think of. But I, I think more than anything, more than that, I'll remember walking in from the from the bullpen with Yachty and just the crowd going crazy. Yachty Armolina also spoke to the media and shared his thoughts on the night. Such a great feeling uh, just to reach out and number and to be part of that uh, release and to be on top of that release. And it was such a great feeling. How about the support you're getting from the fans? I mean, yeah, amazing. Crazy. I mean, I look around and then I see everybody cheering and, and clapping. I mean, just great, great times. I mean, it was just emotion, emotion. I was way on top, so it was great to see that. What was it like uh, that first hit? You hit your glove. It's official. Uh-huh. You guys did it. How did that feel? Uh, good. I mean, obviously good. And you concentrate. You're facing a really good team. You can. You, you got to be affected, pay attention to that too. Um, you don't want to um, to lay down and you, and you have to pay attention, but it was good. I mean, it was really good. Yeah, you was there a specific player? I know there were so many things went on for you during this game, but a specific player, a specific moment that you will always remember when you look back on today? Players? Just the play or a moment. Play? Uh, yeah, a bunch. Obviously, uh, finals game, final pitch in 2006. And that's one of the top over there. Obviously, it's been 17 years, 18 years. We won. I got a bunch of good plays. Daddy Adam was just talking about the unbreakable nature of this record. How much does that mean? Probably good, good chance this is never going to be broken. Hopefully, never be broken. But um, like I said, I mean, just great feeling to be on top of that list and, and doing it with one of great human being and. Just amazing. That relationship you have with Wayno and you guys are brothers, you both say that the mm-hmm. fact that you guys know each other so well, obviously talented on your own, but to have that together, how, how has that helped you guys achieve this by doing it together? Obviously, to to get to that to, to that to that record, you gotta be together um, and do it with him. 
like I say, really great human being and really great teammate, um, a friend and brother for me. I mean, it's just amazing feeling and just something that, that, that I never was expecting to do it. And, but we did it, and I'm happy with it. And Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel thought it was especially special the fact that we did see Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols all contribute to a Cardinals win on this record-setting evening. Yeah, it was cool. If you're a fan, being able to experience Wayno and Yachty breaking that record, and we've described it, uh, it's one that I don't think will ever be touched again. And then being able to see Albert uh, take several at-bats and then come through there to add one with the with the double to left center, that was a, that was a big part of that game. So uh, definitely a good one to, to be in the stadium for. They've done this 325 times, but Adam said it's the first time when you're walking in from the bullpen, you get a standing ovation. They're playing a video on the board. Could you see him maybe battling his emotions a little bit? Um, I'm not sure if battling emotions, but you can definitely see him taking it in. Um, as he was sitting there on the bench waiting to go out to the field, You can, he, they're both kind of locked in on the video. and. Uh, it's hard not to relive some of those moments. It's one thing for some of us to watch it. It's another one to know what the feeling was when you were actually in that moment mm-hmm. for that strikeout. Or, I mean, they've been through a lot together. So um, I think both of them handled it well and then went to work. That was a special night, September 14th, and that is this week's Snapshot. We'll take a break and have much, much more. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back on Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Do want to remind you that theme tickets are on sale now and feature returning favorites like Star Wars, Grateful Dead, Friends Night, and more. New for 2023, don't miss Harry Potter, Yellowstone, and Emo Night. For details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash theme. Speaking of Cardinals tickets, we're happy to welcome on to the program. He's the Director of Ticket Operations for the Cardinals. We've got some uh, big news as uh, Kerry Emerson joins us here on Countdown to Opening Day. Kerry, thanks so much for your time. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here and excited about the upcoming season. Yeah, I got some news today that I know Cardinals fans are going to be really, really happy about the Budweiser Ballpark Pass. It is back. Tell our listeners a little bit about what that pass is and what they can get with it. Like you said, the Budweiser Ballpark Pass is back. It's a great program that fans look forward to every year. Um, For just $34.99 a month, you get a standing room only ticket to every game. So that is a, a very affordable program. For fans, I mean, it includes weekends, um, includes the four Cubs game this year, the three Yankee games. Um, so it's a great program and very affordable. Yeah, you meant, let's get to the price. Yeah, I know you mentioned the price, but I think a lot of people are going to be most interested in that. Thirty-four ninety-nine a month, and you get access to every Cardinals game. It's incredible. Yeah, like I said, um, we have very uh, uh, quite a few affordable programs here at the ballpark as far as uh, purchasing tickets. I mean, tickets start at six dollars. Um, a vast majority of games, you have tickets at ten dollars. 
Um, so, you know, this is just another one of those programs. And again, I repeat the price, it's $34.99, and that includes every game. So, you know, that average is about between 2 to $3 a, a ticket for um, each month. So it's a, it's a great way to come see Cardinals baseball because it's going to be a great year. Okay, so we mentioned the fact that it is a monthly price. How does it work? Does it does it auto renew? Do you buy it month by month? Just take uh, listeners through that whole thing. Yeah, so you're going to go to cardinals.com forward slash pass and sign up for April. So once you sign up for April, it's going to auto renew. So you don't have to worry about going back and signing up each successive month. It will auto renew, charge your card at the appropriate um, time each month, and you don't have to worry about it. Your tickets will be delivered directly to the ballpark app on your phone, and you're all set. How about uh, promotional items? Are are people who have the ballpark pass, are they eligible to get the bobbleheads, to get the T-shirts, to get all the cool things that the the promotions folks have as giveaways? (laughs) And that's a very popular question we get with this program because, you know, not only do you get to see Cardinal baseball, I mean, throughout all the great promotional items that we give away throughout the year, this program allows you to get those. As long as you're eligible for the promotional item, uh, you know, you're able to get that with this program in this pass. Is there a, is there a limit here? Like, will this sell out? Do people need to jump on this here uh, pretty quickly? So it's one pass per person, and there are a limited number of passes available each month. So make sure right away, go get April right now, and then you're good for the rest of the year. So um, as quick and, you know, as early as you can sign up, the better, because potentially there's a limited number we can run out. All right, so the kind of the bullet points of this whole thing, it is the Budweiser Ballpark Pass. It's thirty four ninety nine a month. It gets you a standing room only ticket to every single game. Uh, it auto renews, so there's no uh, need to uh, sign up again each month. Uh, folks can get uh, the promotional items that are given out at games as long as they are eligible for those promotional items. And uh, it's all games, April through September, all Saturday games, all Yankees games, all Cubs games. It doesn't matter who they're playing, when they're playing, uh, you are eligible did i uh did i hit all the bullet points there you did you did a great job of it like you said he starts in april, april and goes through september um you know weekend games are always popular and those tickets sell out quick and once you have this pass you're all set and don't have to worry about it if folks want to purchase this once again where do they go to do it that's cardinals.com forward slash pass You'll see a big green button right now that says buy the April pass. Click on it, enter your information, you're all set. He is Kerry Emerson. He's the director of ticket operations with the Cardinals, talking all about the Budweiser ballpark pass. Kerry, thanks so much for the time. Great information, and uh, can't wait for the season to get started here very, very soon. Hey, we're excited here. Thank you very much. That is Kerry Emerson. He's the director of ticket operations with the Cardinals, and this is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. The Countdown to Opening Day show rolling on here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals at Kid Clinics are back in 2023. Registration begins mid-March for boys and girls ages 7 to 13. Cardinals alumni will provide small group instruction on throwing, hitting, fielding, and more. Cardinals Kid Clinics will be an experience your child will never forget. Learn more at cardinals.com slash clinics. Wednesday, the first off day of Cardinals spring training. Uh, Just kind of some thoughts on what I'm seeing here in the early going of uh, spring. First off, it's really hard to, people keep asking me, 
what I think about this guy or what I think about this aspect of the team. When it's this early on in spring training, it's really hard to make any type of um, evaluation about how a team is going to do or what's going on with the team, anything like that. I do have a couple thoughts, uh, just kind of where the team is at. First off, something that has really struck me is I think the Cardinals look more regular season ready than the teams that they are playing against, especially, and I'm not trying to take shots at other teams, but we saw the Marlins and we saw the Nationals. It felt like from a defensive standpoint, from a locked-in standpoint, from just being kind of sharp, the Cardinals were sharper than those teams. I think they're making some pretty nice plays from a defensive standpoint here in the early going. It was also very good to see uh, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt hit uh, back-to-back home runs in the first inning. Those two guys combined for uh, five hits uh, in the game on Tuesday before the uh, Wednesday off day. You get the sense that they could start the regular season right now and those guys would be good to go. And, of course, those guys are going to be participating in the World Baseball Classic. So there's a little bit more urgency on those guys being good to go sooner than maybe some other uh, players. We're going to see uh, Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis uh, making some starts uh, as well before they get to uh, the World Baseball Classic. So the WBC guys, there's just a little bit of pressure for them to be a little bit more on earlier than in most years because of uh, the WBC and so far I think we uh, certainly are seeing just that. All right, we are going to take ourselves uh, one more break. When we come back, I will be rejoined by uh, Mike Claiborne as we'll continue to talk through what we're seeing through the duration of spring training up until this point. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Back on Countdown to Opening Day alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. It is a uh, spring training off day as the Cardinals uh, do absolutely nothing today. And Mike, that can be an important day. A lot of these guys have been here really a couple weeks before report. Uh, You get here early in the morning. It's hot. You're going through stuff. At some point, your body, both physically and really emotionally, you just need a day and guys are getting that today you're right um there have been some guys that have been here for like three weeks okay and they come in they get their work in and at some point you just need a day just to step away from it uh the the place will be closed you can't get in so you can't get any extra work in the coaches and play nobody will be at the facility and it's something that i think they all appreciate i think what's really different about it we haven't even played a full week of games, and they're already having a day off. And I think they take into account that so many people come down early and are already doing something. want to get into the C.B. Bucknor situation just a little bit. And for folks that haven't been following along, uh, C.B. Bucknor and Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel had an altercation last year. Uh, Buckner was umpiring a game. Marmel stuck out his hand to uh, to shake his hand. Buckner did not reciprocate. That created a bit of an issue. Marmel spoke very openly about his thoughts on Buckner. A couple days later, we saw Buckner back umpiring. The two did shake hands, but this just really felt like a situation that could have been avoided, especially from C.B. Buckner's standpoint. You're right, and it was unfortunate. Um, You know, this is a game where you play every day and you have to figure out how to turn the page. And apparently C.B.'s been sitting on this since August of last year. And I'm sure if he had to do over again, he probably would have thought twice about it, but he did it, and now he'll be known for it. Uh, And I commend Ali for pushing the envelope. You know, he was trying to be professional and let him know, hey, look, man, I'm going to move on. But CB elected not to, and 
you know, it doesn't look good for him, especially when his colleagues had to apologize for him and his actions because they've all gone through it. They've all run a guy and tempers have gotten high, but you normally just move on from it. Now, you may file it away, but you have to understand you have a job to do, and that job is not to make sure you, you file things away to, that could be, uh, you know, be retributal to someone later. So I, I think that when you look back on it, it could have been handled differently on CB's part. I think now that they've had the handshake, uh, you'll forgive, but you probably won't forget. And to that end, and this is where I have an issue with it, the umpire's number one job is to look as if they are impartial and be impartial. And from here on out, if CB makes a call against the Cardinals, right, wrong, or otherwise, it's going to feel personal because CB was always the guy who refused to shake the hand of the Cardinals manager. Yeah, it'll stick with them. I don't think there's any doubt about it, and it'll always be that aura in the back of everybody's mind on how far does CB take this. But at the end, you still got to play, and you can't allow one person and their influence affect how you manage a game and how you play the game. You got to move on. Guys are starting to leave for the WBC. Tommy Edmond had the 15-and-a-half-hour flight. Lars Newtbar had a long flight. More guys are, are going to be leaving. And this is a great opportunity for young players to step forward. We, we talk about Jordan Walker, but there's other guys in that group as well. You are going to get at-bats. You are going to get innings. This, this more so than any other camp, is a camp of opportunity. I would agree with you. Uh, nobody, well, the Cardinals have 19 players, not all of them are on the big league roster, but a lot of players that are going to get a chance to get an extra look. And what they do with it will really help decide their fate, whether they're going to be with the big club whether it enhances their situation in the minors where maybe they'll be called up sooner than later. So it's a golden opportunity. It doesn't happen that often, and uh, we'll see who takes advantage of it. I can't imagine. I mentioned Edmund and Newt Bar. Those were the first guys to leave. We've all been on three-hour flights, and it takes us a few days to recover from that. I can't imagine going through a a 15-and-a-half-hour flight. Well, if you're in first class and you have a number, number of movies and you can sleep in a comfortable manner, it may not be as bad as you think. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I'm anxious to talk to Tommy when he gets back to figure out how it worked out for him and what did he do to prepare for it. Are you looking forward to the WBC? I am because when you look at the teams that are going to be competing, there are a lot of names that you recognize, and it should be very competitive. You're playing for your country, and I think it's a tribute to the players who've all elected to want to be part of it. Uh, and there's some really good teams out there, so I'm looking forward to it. I talked to Mark DeRosa at the winter meetings. He's managing the uh, the U.S. club, a former Cardinal. Again, I, I'm, I'm as good as anybody at being a prisoner of the moment, but it feels like more so this year there is this pride, this country pride that exists for Team USA. And I think that's existed for a lot of other countries when it comes to baseball. But baseball's never been that sport that's been big at the international level. It's always been big at the domestic level. And it feels like all of a sudden we're starting to see Team USA maybe catch up with some of these other countries in terms of what this means. Well, I go back to I think hockey started this with the Olympics and then the World Cup of their own. And then the NBA, when they started to insert players into international play as far as the Olympics were concerned, uh, and now we see that being an international game, much like hockey, baseball is, is, is not a global sport yet, but they certainly have had a footprint in a lot of countries. And I think the, the national pride has really come into play. When you look at the Caribbean series and what it means to those countries, now you spread it out a little bit more 
Uh, and we learned that there are a lot of good players in other parts of the world, not just in the United States. Korea and Japan are going to turn out some pretty good teams. We look at Mexico, the Dominican Republic, Venezuela. I mean, there's so many good teams that have major league-ready players on them, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's on my bucket list to go watch a, a high-level baseball game being played in the Dominican Republic because all I've heard is just how the atmosphere is incredible. It is a party that starts in the first inning and goes on well after the ninth inning. A lot of action. Uh, players are having fun with it. I wouldn't call it barnstorming because they do take it serious, but it is unlike anything we're accustomed to seeing. This is the countdown to opening day. Just a couple more moments before we uh, wrap things up for the week. What do you want to see from Jordan Walker during this time that the WBC guys are out? His ability to adjust to the pitching. Uh, he's going to see better pitching down the stretch. And how he adjusts to the pitching, I think, is going to be a key on whether he makes this ball club or not. Because if he makes the team, he's got to make the team as a starter. He can't be a guy sitting on the bench watching. Because if he's going to do that, you might as well leave him in Memphis where he can still get some at-bats. And think about the fact he hasn't played in Memphis. You know, you're asking him to make a big jump. So I think the key for him is making the adjustments uh, in how they pitch him because I think everything else will take care of itself. You've seen a lot of guys come through. You've seen a lot of young guys. How impressed are you with the off-the-field uh, how intelligent guys are, the fact that they'll, they'll look you in the eye. Like, that's the thing that I've noticed from this next group of Cardinals. When you talk to them, they, they answer eloquently, and they look you in the eye when, when speaking. And I don't think I'm making too big of a deal of it. I think that has an impact on the way they play the game. I think it's an X factor, and I tip my cap to Randy Flores, the director of scouting, who drafted these kids and getting to know what their character was about. And I think that's something that... If you look at the Cardinal organization as a whole, they've always been character-driven. Now, you have to be able to play a little bit, but they don't have many bad eggs within the organization, and I think that that's a tribute to how this organization has grown over the 132 years of existence and having people who recognize people who are going to be Cardinals, not just baseball players, but Cardinals. On Tuesday, we saw back-to-back home runs from uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I think we could play a regular season game tomorrow, and those two guys would be okay. No, they'll be ready. I'm not even worried. Those are the, my least concern. Um, you know, you may have some other issues about who can do this and who can do that, but the way they prepare, they'll never be ill-prepared for the opportunity. We talked about it on the broadcast a little bit the other day. Arnado had a day where he did not take part in live BP, but instead he went to a backfield. They actually closed it off from the media, and they brought in a couple minor league pitchers who excelled in a certain area. We don't know what that area was, and it was an area that Arnado was trying to work on, and they very specifically worked on something with him. I, um, Oliver Marmel was kind of asked a lot of questions about that. I don't know if every organization does that, but it just shows the attention to detail that exists with the Cardinals. That's that's why these guys are all-stars, perennial all-stars, and we talk about how hard guys work. That's what we're talking about, finding one thing that may concern them or something they want to improve on, and then going out and working on being better at it. And, and like you said, we don't know. I got an idea what it might be, but, you know, I think it's something that he probably noticed in his video and said, all right, I need to be better at that or being able to recognize that better. Uh, and that's why they are who they are, because they put the extra work in to be better than the next guy. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Countdown to Opening Day right here on the Cardinals Radio Network.